Hi, my name is uh, Bryce Erickson, and I am a believer who struggles with pride, self-sufficiency, and people-pleasing. Good to see you. This is my lovely wife, Elizabeth. Same. <laughs> Same struggles <laughs> and different ones. We've been married for uh, 10 years this summer. And we have three children, a boy and two girls. I think we have a picture of them. Six and a half, five, and almost four. We are here today to testify to you about the journey of our marriage, but mostly about a generous, gracious, and patient God who continues to, to this day to shape our hearts like clay and give us life, love, and laughter. If... You out there had asked us at our wedding reception what we thought we were getting into when we got married. You probably would have heard us say words or expressions like excitement, optimism, joy, having a bright future, and coming into it with sober minds. In hindsight, here are some of the words that have actually described our journey. Pride, depression, conflict, self-centeredness, self-pity... Self-righteousness, anger, but increasingly, thankfully, forgiveness, grace, and reconciliation. Today, God is teaching us to fan into flame the gift of God, which does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Therefore, we are not ashamed of the gospel and the testimony about our Lord, but we strive to suffer for the good news of Christ. 2 Timothy 1, 6-8. A little bit about me as we get started. I grew up in a Christian home that believed in God, lived the lordship of Jesus, and operated under the Judeo-Christian ethic. On a relativity scale, we were more religious than most, but we were not a household that was fully devoted to Christ either. My parents and brothers loved me. I'm one of uh, four boys in our family, and I'm grateful for my upbringing. I became a Christian before I was 10 years old when I said the prayer, and I gained some great qualities from my childhood, but I also took some other baggage with me, such as pride, self-sufficiency, and being a chronic people-pleaser. And I also had a twisted understanding of conflict. All of those demons would later come to haunt me in my marriage. I grew up in a Christian home right here in Dallas as well. I feel blessed that I knew from a very young age about Christ and his love for me. My mom taught me lots of scripture and prayed for me most every night. I have two older brothers, and so I'm the only girl. My younger years were marked with family fun, playing sports, and chasing my brothers around. But as I got older, that changed, and due to my brother's rebellion, some chaos entered our home. During this time, there were arguments and yelling with my parents. Um, I had a lot of fear, and even sometimes was just found myself crying in my room when they fought. I learned from my family during this time to hide our problems. Um, they didn't want anyone to know about all of my brother's problems. Um, I learned to avoid conflict and, frankly, to please my parents by not becoming just like him. I learned to stuff my problems if it didn't seem big enough to merit my parents' attention. Some of these early seeds of my own depression struggles were planted during this time. These unhealthy patterns resurfaced in our marriage. Bryce and I met right before I began seminary on a blind date in 2002, and we dated for nearly two years. We were both pretty guarded, but I knew before Bryce did that he was the man I wanted to be with. My depression was really kept at bay during this time. We got married in June 2005. 
the early years of our marriage were a bit <clears throat> of a roller coaster. I developed expectations that our marriage would flourish immediately. And since we had checked the box, the fact that we were Christians, we had waited till later in life to marry, and we took premarital counseling that things would be smooth. I was wrong. <laughs> the seeds of pride, people-pleasing, and conflict avoidance I mentioned earlier began to bear fruit. I easily got angered when Elizabeth did not meet my expectations, and I struggled how to communicate that with her. <clears throat> and this led to a multi-point cycle. I wish I had a, like a, a circular thing up there. So of <laughs> peace, buildup of anger and resentment by both sides, blow-ups, fights, arguments, retreat, usually by me, and then no resolution, which led to peace, but also back into the cycle again. This pattern dominated the first few years of our marriage. I was also blind to the emerging signs of Elizabeth's growing depression. That said, there was some evidence of Christ in our lives. He graciously resourced us with great community over the years and people that were pivotal in our slow and very much stumbling growth in our spiritual life. I remember seeing authenticity modeled for me multiple times by men in my community and thinking, man, I would like to have that. However, I hadn't surrendered many of my areas of life to Christ that needed to uh, be surrendered in order to achieve that. And I figured I was doing, was doing okay by the worldly standards and not God's. Crucial to my health struggles of fatigue and depression was consistent, good sleep. However, Bryce snores. And this became a major struggle for me. I was miserable in getting no sleep. It was our first year of marriage and the honeymoon phase wore off very quickly. There were times I just went in my closet and cried wondering why I got married. I was scared to really reveal my feelings to Bryce, and the pattern of avoiding conflict crept into my marriage. I was fearful of disappointing him. After more sleepless nights, my clinical depression crept up, and I went down pretty fast. I was angry at God, and I felt cheated. I felt very small and like I'd really let Bryce down. Depression was not new to me, but the concept was foreign to Bryce. Our foundation group was pivotal in helping us get through this time. They loved us well through physical needs. They modeled spiritual maturity, true and vulnerable accountability, and godly friendship in ways we'll never forget. Things went on like this for a while. Years later, our marriage then took a turn for the turbulent in late 2008 when we were faced with another struggle. With Elizabeth's depression, complications with our first pregnancy, <clears throat> going into debt, and the disappearance of any and all margin that existed in our lives. For about a three-year period from late 08 to about 2011, our lives seemed to be a constant intersection between joyous events, such as the birth of our children, and big crises in our lives. And it was exhausting. We decided to start a family in 2008 and got pregnant right away. We found out 20 weeks into our pregnancy that we, had, we may have some major problems. They sent us to a specialist, and they were telling us our baby might not live. After numerous tests, they could not conclude that anything could not conclude anything, and thus told us to go home and enjoy the pregnancy. Needless to say, this was really difficult. But I can say that this time was one of the most unifying for Bryce and I, as every night we opened up our Bible and prayed together for this child. We prayed for a miracle, and God answered our prayers. Benjamin was born March 2009 as a healthy baby. Great, right? <laughs> Two days after we got home at 3 in the morning, Elizabeth started having unbearable back pain. We rushed to the ER to learn that Elizabeth's kidney was bleeding, and as we later found out, it was due to a cancerous tumor. We were shocked 
And by then we were just tired and sad. A little while later, her kidney had to be removed. We were in and out of the hospital for weeks, living mostly off of generosity from community and from family. Isaiah 43, 2-3. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. During these months and years, much of our interactions were subjected to the tyranny of the urgent, as you can imagine. Our daughters, Lainey and Claire, were born 15 and then 18 months after Benjamin. I, I was seeking the Lord in short bursts for the strength to get through the day, whatever app I could pull up on my phone. I was trying really hard to choose joy, but sometimes I was just angry at Bryce and at our circumstances. I think I had self-pity, and I was frustrated because I didn't feel understood. But once again, it was kind of all about me. I felt angry because I felt like he was watching me drown without throwing me a life jacket. In the summer of 2012, Bryce was swamped at work, which is a great thing for our finances, but bad for stability in the home. I was depleted myself, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And I was not doing a very good job of supporting Bryce and encouraging him. I resented his work, and it led to him probably wanting to be there more. Bryce typically didn't come home to a happy wife. Usually it was, why are you late? And by the way, here's a screaming kid to take care of. My response to Elizabeth on the outside mostly appeared loving. But inside our marriage, I took the role of a victim. I objectified Elizabeth instead of loving her and chose to see her depression instead of her heart. I thought to myself, why couldn't she just buck up, roll up her sleeves, and get things done? It was kind of the way that I was brought up. A low point was when we started a fight after listening to a sermon, no less, in front of our kids. It devolved into a screaming match with a few expletives thrown in just for good measure. We knew we needed help when we didn't even like being around each other. Finally, re-engage was suggested to us from friends who had been through it before. I went reluctantly, looking for sympathy and someone else to point out her faults. I entered re-engage, rating our marriage like a two on the little form. I was fully pointing my finger at Bryce, just knowing he was the one who needed help and thought the main reason we were there was because of him. Honestly, it took me several weeks once we got into our closed group to see that my part was huge. I was not encouraging and lifting up Bryce. Also, I really learned to speak up and not be silent when it was time to challenge Bryce or when I had my feelings hurt. And I would just stuff it. I needed to discuss things with Bryce. That it's my job to speak the truth and love to my husband. I also had to really confess my anger at Bryce and not being willing to give him the grace God had so graciously given me. I also learned we needed to keep short accounts, and most of all, we're on the same team. God knew exactly who I needed as a husband, and he gifted me with Bryce. When I was sitting there where you are, my pride was telling me, why am I here? I'm doing pretty good. I need to leave. And that kind of made things hard early on. We regularly fought before, during, and after we engage. And um, as we kind of unearthed some of these things that we had not recognized earlier on in our marriage. Strangely, instead of running from this cauldron of crazy, we started to lean into it. We gradually became believers in the notion that grace plus truth plus time equals change. God changes hearts when we're ready to align ourselves with him, not vice versa. 
Within six to eight weeks, actually every couple in our group was starting to experience change. I think a reason for this is that we were ready to surrender to God at that point. In addition, the patience and authenticity of our leaders, the McEwens, fostered breakthrough and minimized wasting time hiding behind our appearances. If you're experiencing stagnation in your groups now while you guys are out there, I would just submit to you Proverbs 12 to 15 that says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. The Holy Spirit moved through our group. We saw logs in our own eye. Our hearts grew, and we learned new things about each other after seven plus years of marriage that we had never known before. God allowed my heart to receive unpleasant truths, and this fostered cleansing and healing. Bryce and I experienced victory and joy through Christ's healing in the hard work of re-engage. We prayed and prayed a few years ago, and God blessed us with a new community group, and we're f- thrilled to call them friends and be in the struggle together to follow Christ and have an authentic marriage. Thankfully, today our hearts are more aligned. Our path has rarely been easy, but both of us have a, have a desire to read Scripture and to do what it says. We're doing our best to pursue one another. My heart has been awakened to my deep love for Jesus and my humility at his great love for me. I'm learning more to abide each day and thus think about Bryce more than I think about myself. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Our marriage today is in a much, much better place. We've recognized God's grace. We've sought his word and his love as opposed to the love of other people's opinions or the love of self. He is enough. We laugh a lot more. We treasure our community. We treasure our friends. We treasure our family. We now live less than a few blocks from three out of the families in our community group, which has been really encouraging as we feel called to be there. At the same time, we still encounter tough circumstances. Just even recently, continues to test us, but scripture reminds us that joy is not determined by circumstances, good or bad. Oneness in marriage does not come easy, and it's not created overnight. There are hurts in marriage that can be easy to hold on to, but I will say there's freedom in confession and there's freedom in forgiveness. When you start to practice this, God blesses it and builds oneness. This is a verse I've posted on my kitchen window to remind me. Colossians three twelve through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We don't know exactly where you guys are out out there. Maybe you feel hopeless. Maybe you feel angry. Maybe you feel tired, betrayed, or even worse. We did. I would just say to you that there's a God of hope who cares for you today, right now. He sees a lifelong process of developing a relationship with him. His covenant to strengthen us does not waver with the ups and downs of our circumstances or our moods. He sees the big picture. And in the big picture, our momentary faltering does not determine the final outcome. We pray you'll experience the same in your marriages as you press on towards oneness. Thanks for letting us share.